0: This is Food First Michigan on News
1: Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening. The Michigan Farm Bureau has a huge trailer. It's called the Farm Science Lab, and what it is is an experience. It's a 40 foot mobile classroom equipped with the latest teaching technologies that are designed to increase agricultural awareness. The Farm Science Lab travels the state offering a field trip type experience right to the front door of a school. The impact of this program is that kids gain knowledge and understanding about where their food comes from. I think during the pandemic, we've all been a bit more aware and concerned of where our food is coming from and will there be enough. Folks struggling under the weight of food insecurity think these thoughts all the time. Will there be enough food and from where will I get more? Food security is a passion, not a hobby for the Farm Bureau family of companies. Why not? Solving Hunger Starts in the Field, and the Michigan Farm Bureau, Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan, and their agents across Michigan all have committed themselves to this great work of creating a food secure Michigan. Our guest today is the president of this great Michigan family of companies, Carl Benarski, a farmer who, as you may have guessed, is committed to ensuring no kid goes to bed hungry across our state. Carl joins me and Jerry Brisson next on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Carl Benarski, our uh, friend, colleague, sponsor, uh, the president for the Farm Bureau family of companies. Carl, I think this is your third time to be on the show, and man, it's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in forever.
0: Well, Dr. Knight, it's great to be with you, and uh, absolutely, you have a great show here, and I'm always excited to be part of it.
1: Well, we appreciate you so much. Jerry, I I haven't seen you in a long time, but I know
2: you haven't seen Carl. <laughs> That's the honest truth. I mean, you know, all of our lives have changed in, in pretty significant ways. And so uh, I'm just happy that we can at least figure out this Zoom experience so we can at least see smiles and, and you know, the the intelligence in your eyes. You know, it's, uh, it's really good and uh, great to have you on the show today.
0: Well, thank you, Jerry, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right when you talk about the new experience with Zoom and everything, because I just actually watched uh, Phil's dog walk behind him as he's (laughs) talking.
2: Uh,
1: Yeah, and his name is Bama, of course.
2: (laughs) Well, see, Carl, what you don't know is whenever the dog hears my voice, he's trying to get me out of the house, and so that's why he's pacing around back there. I hear that guy. I know he's here somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh hey, guys,
1: I want us to jump all the way back to March when uh, the emergency order came and the schools closed. Um, Kids were uh, left to fend, and, of course, we know our friends over at the Department of Education uh, rallied. They came to us. We rallied. But let me tell you else who rallied, Jerry. Um, There's a whole story here, but Carl knows that he has 450 different farm bureau agents across michigan and these guys really rallied and came right alongside of us and in just no time at all carl i want to just start off here with the million meal challenge and you guys raised some hundred and eighty-three thousand dollars to come alongside of the food banks across uh michigan and i so i got to start the show just by saying thank you we define a friend for someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out well you guys were didn't have to walk in because you've always been in the room with us
0: well i appreciate that uh phil and, and you're absolutely correct i mean uh i mean we were uh everyone was thrown in a uh in a world that was upside down back in march and it uh it was something that we sat down and felt we need to do something here. I mean, uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, what can we do as a company? What can we do as, uh, I mean, uh, individuals out in our communities? Mm-hmm. It, it was a, a a real honest discussion that we needed to have, and, and the first thing was is how is this affecting uh, people I mean how is their food uh, being delivered? I mean there was uh, so much uncertainty with the distribution channels and the shelves on grocery stores going empty and where were these people getting their food from? What do we do as a organization as a company as a Michigan company like we try to uh, uh, like we always try to uh, to say we are is mm-hmm. that what are we going to do for Michigan? You know, what are we going to do to help people in need? Well, you guys stood in the gap for sure. 1.1
2: 1.1 sure. million meals. I mean, that was phenomenal. And, it, you know, I, I I know it wasn't that long ago when we were talking about the perfect storm for farmers, right? And the, the weather was bad and the, and it was hard to grow food in Michigan and, and you know, too much rain and too much drought. And, and you know, it was just such a struggle for so many Michigan farmers. I can't imagine that that the pandemic made things any easier. And so, you know, how, I mean, how, how are farmers doing
0: well farmers are very resilient and uh, you got to remember too they they live in these communities they are community minded and they wanted to uh, to help out but then also they were feeling it on their end from the uh, uh, the repercussions of this they were not uh, able to move their products through the food channels that are normally there So they were struggling trying to find a way to get these products into the people's hands that that needed these products. So it was a real dilemma there, not only with the individuals that that wanted the product, that need the products, but uh, farmers sitting on products and it perhaps rotting because they had no outlet uh, to get it to who was in need or the, the consumers. So the farmers really were uh, were at a dilemma there, too. How are we going to, number one, uh, uh, keep our farms going, but then, two, how do we get perishable products a lot of times into the hand of the consumers? It was a, uh, like I said earlier, it was a tough situation, and uh, a lot of minds had to come together to figure out how do we fix this and how do we fix it now?
1: You know, I think that's one of the beautiful things about the Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan, the company side is um, talking to you and talking to Don and just all the, the agents, um, you know, I've been been invited to be at their conference and, and listen to them and hear their hearts. You know, it's the beautiful side of this to me, Carl, is you guys, you, you stand with the farmers in my mind so they can withstand. And the last few years, they've they've really had to withstand, I mean, the too much rain, the too little rain, the too cold too soon, the too, I mean, it's been just a lot of too many, you know, uh, trials and tribulations, so to speak. And then when you throw the pandemic on top of them, the resilience is just amazing for our farmers, but also for the company. And then for the company to take a look and say, you know what, what can we do to affect our communities? Because like you say, the agents, the farmers, they're all a part of the community. They're living right there, and they can't turn a blind eye, not one of them.
0: Well, Phil, you're absolutely correct. And then we take a look at it. We're not going to pick up our farms and move them to another <laughs> location. We are here. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. <laughs> we are here in Michigan, and we have to... Uh, be able to get along with our neighbors we need to have that relationship with our consumers so farmers are in a unique position to provide that uh, that food product to those individuals and also to show that uh, that we take care that we understand what's happening in our communities also and that also just bleeds over into our insurance company and we try to uh drive those same ethics into those individuals that they need to be involved in their local communities and they need to be involved with the uh the the softball games the little leagues the the, the sporting events the, the you know the keep your eyes open look around you uh are there people as we uh, found out that are, are food insecure and mm-hmm. that's where a lot of these issues start to come from when we, uh, when we take a look at the agents creating their own agents charitable fund. I mean, that's just remarkable on their behalf to, to take that on their own. And, and the, the amount of money that they have raised amongst themselves and, and the amount that they are giving back, it's just uh, it's a, a real good feeling you get when you see people doing things for the right reasons.
2: You know, yeah.
1: lots of great people doing lots of great things. Jerry?
2: Yeah, I, one of the things I love about the Agents Charitable Fund is, okay, so this, the, the, the pandemic hits, and within 24 hours, those guys raised $1,000 an hour. <laughs> I mean, they did. They raised right. $1,000 an hour for 24 hours to get things moving and, and provide some immediate relief. And, I mean, you know, that's amazing. You know that's amazing, and you don't just see that everywhere all the time. So you know that's pretty cool. That's that's was my point. I, you know I don't
1: I don't. We have some companies and corporations that are that ran to us to help, but you know uh, like I say, Carl, y- y'all didn't have to run because you were already here. Um, we got to take a quick break, guys. Uh, Want to bring Carl Benarski back? He's the president for the family of companies for. Michigan Farm Bureau, he's our friend, he's our colleague, and he's also a farmer. And uh, so he understands this work from the ground up, so to speak. He'll be back with Jerry and I in just a moment, and we're back in just a second. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson and our guest, Carl Benarski. Carl, the, the, as the president for this family of companies, um, it's, it's amazing to me that all the different programs that you guys have where you're giving back into the community, you've got one that's really close to your heart you want to talk about too
0: well absolutely one that uh, that came out of the pandemic early on is when we've seen businesses being shut down and we've seen restaurants really taking the brunt of that on the mm-hmm. on the on the our opening part of this on the, on, the, on the point of this issue uh, this pandemic where they were being shut down and uh, they didn't know what to do and at that same time, we're looking at it, and we're an insurance company, and we realize uh, people are not driving as much. So we uh, yeah, we had a, an increase in profits at that time too because there wasn't as many accidents. So what did uh, what did we do was, is how do we use that money to get back into the communities? And we came out with the Helping Hands program, which was a, uh, a huge success. Basically what that was is, We uh, had our agents go out and identify restaurants in their communities. They didn't have to be insured by us. They just identified restaurants that uh, could use the money. We gave those restaurants $4,000 each. We sent them a check and said, spend it. On, uh, on, uh, on the program. So what we did then is sent out to our members a $25 coupon to go to these restaurants. They utilized it. If you go over the amount just send us the bill. So if they used up the $4,000 we didn't care. If you went to $7,000 give us the bill for $3,000 and we'll make it up. There was no strings attached. If you didn't use the $4,000 that's fine. We're not going to ask for it back. And it was just a great uh, uh, to hear those testimonies come back from those restaurants saying, thank you.
2: Jerry, have you ever
0: in your life heard of anything
2: like that? You know, it is, it is a tremendously <laughs> generous thing to do. There's no question about it. And you know, it hits us in, in a couple different ways, too, because a lot of the people that work in restaurants are low income already. Um, and again, I, I know restaurants pay whatever they can. I it, It's not an issue that people are unwilling. <laughs> It's just there's only so much margin to work with. And so when they got hit hard, we saw a lot of people from that industry coming to our food lines, right? And so having that immediate help that, that drives business, you know, when business can pay for, for the relief of their own people, that's the best situation, right? And so supporting those businesses so they could do what they needed to do was an awesome way to keep everyone afloat, keep people paid, and keep people out of our lines. And we really appreciate that.
0: So, well, thank you very much. And was it, I wanted to mention that because it's been uh, very successful, and, and it goes back to doing what's right, taking that money, giving it back to the communities that uh, that we're all part of.
1: Well, Carl, there's no one I don't I, I don't think there's anyone in the state that understands the farm economy that the the economy associated with agriculture better than you. And um, I, I would like for you to talk a little bit about that because in the midst of all this giving. Our, our farm, our agriculture sector has suffered through uh, some pretty serious downturns, and I, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you could just paint that picture for our listeners, and for Jerry and I as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the farm uh, economy really struggled early on, and it's still, uh, still struggling at this point, but... When we take a look at the things that, uh, that led to it, first of all, we were, had some trade issues going on with, with China and and the retaliation against agriculture when uh, President Trump put the, uh, the tariffs on steel and aluminum that affected agriculture. Agriculture seen what was going on. They knew this was bigger than just steel and aluminum. And so people were waiting for agriculture to, to push back. But agriculture said no. We'll we'll take one on the chin because we see what what uh, what's going on here. There was right. a lot more than just agriculture involved. So we 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 uh, we held back and and we uh, we took that. But then also when we seen the pandemic come and we seen that interruption in our food supply and we seen dairy prices drop from dairy prices dropped 36 percent. When we looked at corn prices, we're down approximately fourteen percent. Soybeans were down 8%. Hog cattle were ones that really, really took the, the hit because those were the first ones that affect that food chain. Hog prices were down 31%, and cattle prices fell 25%. At the same time, they were watching the prices skyrocket in the outlets that were there. And when I say the outlets were there, is because the outlets that normally buy that product, the restaurants, the schools, right. all those types, sporting events... Those outlets disappeared, and so we had to get that all repackaged and, and go to a different distribution channel. And in the meantime, everything backed up at the farm level, and uh, yeah, we took the hit again on uh, on those uh, on those costs. It was it's hard to recoup that, and that's why I think you've seen some of the programs that came out to to help uh, agriculture in those roles. Sure.
2: Well, I know this is going to persist for some time too. That you know, that there have been some bumps in the road that that have already gone on. I can't remember when the when the trade issue started, but it's got to be it's got to be two years. I mean, uh, you know, so getting pretty close to that time frame anyway. And now we've got another, uh, you know, little dip here that's going to persist for some time. And one of our concerns, obviously, as we look at our future is all of the economic impacts and how it's going to, you know, Likely lead to us seeing more people who need help, and so uh, so our hearts go out to everyone who's suffering right now and who's who knows they're going to have to still weather this storm, uh, you know, for a period of time longer before they can get back on on their feet. And Carl, I just have to say, um, we couldn't do it without you and without people like you who are who who understand what's going on both personally and professionally and who are stepping into the gap.
0: Well, I appreciate that, Jerry. And uh, you take a look at the farmers of the state. You know, they are the salt of the earth. They are out there producing food. They were out there. They were essential workers. They kept doing the job. They kept providing food and, and yeah. making sure that uh, the consumers would not go without. It's just uh, we had some uncircum- some circumstances there that were unprecedented in how we did that. But we kept moving along. Uh, we kept doing what we do best. And uh, agriculture, there's some wonderful people out there in agriculture that, uh, in, in like we said, in spite of what was going on in the price of their commodities, they were still willing to give, to give to outlets, to give food to people in need, which is just a tremendous uh, compliment on their behalf.
1: Well, a great example of that, I think, is uh, the Michigan Milk Producers Association, the United Dairy Industry of Michigan, So our friend, Ken Novus, Carl, who I know you know very well, um, started working with us years ago. uh, and, And I think that every day of the week, every day of the month, every day of the year, these guys donate to the Food Bank Council 350 gallons of milk every day. And I'm looking at this chart where dairy prices drop between 26 and 36%. And they're still giving that. And I think that is a great picture of the entire sector that you just described.
0: Well, absolutely. They're giving that product, which is a co-op, which is made up, is owned by the farmers. Uh, they're not getting income for that milk that's going, going out. No. And they're still doing it. Also, Phil, another great story here is you take a look at our younger farmers in mm. in this state. You know it's guys that are are getting started and, and maybe don't have a lot of equity built up and can use every penny when they're starting their families and that but they're looking at uh, how can they help and they're they're doing uh, golf outings and that where uh, I just yeah. want to make uh, a reference to the uh, over on the west side the farmers raised six thousand dollars. For food banks, and three thousand went to the Coopersville uh, Cares in Ottawa County, and three thousand went to the Sears Food Pantry in Osceola County. I mean, just remarkable. Even those young individuals are identifying the need.
1: Uh, you know, and, and uh, Jerry, down in one of your counties, down in Monroe, uh, there's like a there's a tractor parade that happens down there to raise food and funds for gleaners in that and that serves Monroe County I remember it's, that and that's young farmers doing that
2: that is who who does it and uh and I'll tell you you talk about creativity that tractor parade and and what you see out there you can tell some people are are real proud of their equipment and others are just happy to get that old tractor <laughs> out on the road <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it, it, it's nice to see those different unique opportunities focused on one thing helping right. the people in need.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, well, let's take a quick break. Carl, we want to bring you back for another segment here, and uh, we appreciate you being with us. Folks, uh, Carl Bonarski, Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here in just a moment. First Michigan, once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our friend, the president of the Farm Bureau Family of Companies, Carl Benarski. Carl, um, first, let's, I'm going to take you to the field first. I said, I, I said in the break, I, I have this huge question I want to ask you, but first. Um, you're you're a farmer and every every board member at at Farm Bureau no matter which part they they're a part of are farmers
0: correct absolutely
1: yeah so that's important i
0: think well it is it uh yeah, it is very important. And that is, uh, that is a requirement to be on our board, uh, that you have to be in, engaged in farming. And it just brings a different perspective. And people wonder, like, okay, well, how can you guys run a company being farmers? But I mentioned once that when you look around that board table, every one of those individuals is running a multimillion dollar business. They're sure. farmers, but they're running a farmer-owned business. Yeah. And it, it catches a few people off guard when uh, uh, business is business. you got to still run it all the same way, and you still need to make a profit. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's a good perspective that we get throughout the, throughout the state to have those those leaders in business on our board.
1: Well, Jerry, I know you have that same, same exact philosophy, that even though we're in nonprofit, if you don't run the business of nonprofit well,
2: you won't have to worry about the the impact or the ministry of nonprofit. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, certainly on the smallest scale, where you know you have a few people doing something good, you don't have to worry too much about that. There's not a lot of expenses, and you know, you don't have a lot of you know vendors you got to get bids from, right? But when you when your business is running over a hundred million dollars a year, uh, you better have a better sense of how you're how you're running that business. And when you look at the business of food banking in the state of Michigan, we provide um, so many millions. Of of pounds of food every year. And this year we're going to be running, you know, significantly higher than normal. If you don't have your hands on the levers of the business, you're not going to be able to do all that work. So we certainly have a great deal of respect for the farmers having to move that food, grow that food in lots of different circumstances, run that business, make a profit. It's really important.
0: Well, and Jerry, I just want to cut in here and say that, uh, you know, everything we talked about here today is things that we've done or things that we are doing, but we're not done yet. When you run a business, you have to plan for the future. You Mm. have to look and see what's coming down that road. And the thing is, we are not going to back off from what we do in our charity events and in our giving programs. I mean, we are looking at ways to enhance them more yet. We're looking at being a company for purpose. You know what? Uh, what is for purpose? I mean, it isn't. It, it it's it part of your community, part of your state, and what can we do more? So we're looking at other op- opportunities to do things with the food bank and to do things uh, within our communities to help uh, promote those individuals and and, and to identify uh, misfortunes where we can help.
1: Well, you know, Carl, I'm I'm drinking coffee here, and I'm going to hold my mug up. I wish all our <laughs> listeners could see it, because the last time I saw you was at this place. Yep. And, and you guys have partnered with the Eastern Market in some significant ways. And uh, so my daughter is an artist who lives in Detroit, and she drew this and put it on a coffee mug. And it's the... It's the, it's the train associated with Eastern Market. So I know that what you just said is true because you guys are expanding and enhancing your partnerships uh, with the Food Bank Council and all of our members, but also with great entities like the Eastern Market.
0: Well, the Eastern Market is a perfect example. You know, you take a look at our members, our farmers are there selling their products. We have people buying that fresh produce or that fresh uh, whatever it may be. I mean, there's so much there, whether <laughs> it's flowers on flower days, whether it's fish, whether whatever it is, it's just a, a great mix of different uh, commodities. And why would we not be there? Why right. would we not be there supporting two things that we are, feel very dearly about and uh, want to help wherever we can?
1: Well, let's switch gears for just a minute. we got a few minutes left in this segment here with you. And um, I'm wondering what you guys see for the future. Um, I know that we, we still are in the pandemic. Um, we forecasted ourselves that um, as we looked at um, the unemployment rate, we would see elevated need in food security through June of 2022. In fact, we think about 100,000 more people will still be food insecure than what was prior to the pandemic happening to us in March. So, how is that looking for our farmers, for agriculture in general? Because, you know, we we have relationship with processors too. Um we'd like everybody to start recycling again just so that we can keep some aluminum running here right because those are all challenges to the food supply chain what are you seeing carl well
0: that's an interesting question that uh that you bring and there's so many more opportunities like i said earlier that we need to uh follow through on you know it was great to see usda come out with the uh the food box program i mean we're looking over 100 million food boxes throughout that country went through there. And it was uh, local fresh food from those individual states. I've been with Secretary Purdue a couple times in the state as we delivered or passed out those food boxes amongst the state. But then also, uh, we, we're trying to identify too with the schools. Some of them are open, some are not open. Uh, how do we get meals to those individuals? How do we get meals to those kids Mm-hmm. That are not in that school. I mean, this pandemic is still going to go on for a while. We're going to see uh, uncertainties in in many places. and we're trying to identify how we can still uh, uh, supply uh, those individuals in need and and not take the the philosophy that, okay, the pandemic's over. let's go back to where we were before. it It isn't going to go away overnight. And but we need to find ways to uh, to continue to provide to those in need, wherever that may be.
2: That's true, Jerry? Well, once again, you know, as we as we look forward to the next eighteen to twenty four months of probably heavy lifting and You know, trying to fit in the gap where we fit so that we can make sure that kids are well-nourished and learning in school. So we can make sure that workers are well-nourished and able to get to work and get back to work when they need to. And when we think about the seniors and the veterans that have been affected by all of this in incredibly difficult ways, and we're getting them quarantine boxes of food. And I'll tell you this, there's no way we could make our plans if we weren't part of your plans. So I just want to say again, you know, we're very grateful for your ongoing support you you're on this show for three times for a reason and uh and we're very grateful that you help us do the lifting we have to do while you're out there doing all your lifting too so twice as much for you probably (laughs) twice as much for us but uh it's been a great partnership carl and we're truly truly grateful
0: thank you jerry i appreciate the the comments on that but i just want to remind everyone out there that's listening that you can be part of this too Mm. You can be part of the solution here. I mean, we need everybody to step up to the plate, not just in a pandemic. But, I mean, we need everybody throughout the year to uh, uh, to fulfill that need. So uh, I, would, uh, I would encourage anyone out there that wants to be part of one of these programs, get a hold of us. I mean, we're all in this together. We will help wherever we can.
1: That's right. He's Carl Benarski. He's the president for the... Farm Bureau family of companies. He's our friend. He's our colleague. Um, Carl, you're our sponsor. So (laughs) this show doesn't happen without you and uh, your team. And so Jerry and I are thankful. The difference this has made in changing the conversation about food insecurity across our state has created such positive momentum. Because, I, as you said, I don't think there's anybody that we've ever met, doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on, or if they're not on any aisle side, that nobody wants to see senior citizens, children especially, or working families struggle with the toxic stress of being food insecure. This doesn't happen without you, my friend, and we want to say thank you. Thank you, Phil. It's our pleasure. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. Jerry, you can't help but just appreciate that guy, Carl Benarski, the president for the Arm Bureau family of companies. I mean, it's a huge organization, but yet so community centered.
2: Yeah, and I mean, um, we've known Carl for a long time. Um, It's always a pleasure talking with him. If if if, I wish all of our listeners could see Carl in person, he's a he's a friendly guy. I mean. You know, he, he's just nice to hang around with. So, uh, it was great to see him today warms my heart and, uh, you know, it reminds me one of the things that we started as a principle when we got the show going years ago now was we really believe that one of the keys to solving hunger was to bring smart people to the table who could help us be better. Mm -hmm. And Carl has been one of those people from the very beginning. And he really did sponsor the show right from the very beginning saying, I believe in what you guys are trying to do in terms of helping people really understand well what even is food insecurity and when we first started talking about it we had to explain that you know time and again because well what's the difference between hunger and food insecurity right and here we are now with a with a core of listeners who've who've heard you know, so many different ways that people have gotten involved to, to help us realize this dream of a food secure community. And we are closer now than we've ever been, even with the pandemic, the trust that's been developed, the smart people that have come to the table that have helped us do more and better. And, uh, so it's exciting to, to think back on those early days and how far we've come in a few years and uh, great to see Carl and give him his due for how he's played a role in this.
1: Well, all of them, you know, the agents, uh, 450 agents uh, for the Farm Bureau company, they, they've, been, they've been spectacular to us. We've got a couple of trailers on the road, I think, that they've uh, bought and restored and given to us and uh, that we're using. But it just reinforces the principle to me, Jerry, that, that solving hunger really does start in the field.
2: Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. And understanding what's in the field, what needs to come out of the field, how to leverage as much of that as possible, and particularly for our Michigan farmers. And the state of Michigan has helped us in so many ways to leverage when there's extra food in the field and how to get it out of the field and to, and to hungry people. And there's another huge you know, connection between food banks and farmers that has been really, really productive for the state. Well, I, I you're right,
1: and uh, their support, their as I said in the show, their ability to stand with the farmer so that they can withstand, because farmers have been withstanding here for the last few years. You know, the whole China uh, trade, the the rain that came too early, then a pandemic on top of them. It's been a very. I remember us having a couple of shows with uh, Gary McDowell, the director at MDARD, where we had they had established a hotline. Because right? of the mental and uh, emotional anguish that uh, the folks in agriculture were going through.
2: No so, question. Yeah.
1: I think we ended that one of those shows by saying, hug a farmer.
2: Um, <laughs> I think we you know? did.
1: And I think we should do it. We should probably hug a farmer now, and we should probably hug uh, somebody who works in the, the the meat industry, and all of them, because um, you know winter is coming, and uh, we want to be we want to be ready for uh, the the needs that people are going to have as they face this this hopefully is the back end of this pandemic.
2: Uh, we can't be hugging them though. We just got to bump elbows or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. <laughs>
1: socially distanced hug yeah there you go there you go yeah right yeah virtual hug how's that there we are perfect (laughs) hey jerry it's 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 great to see you appreciate you i think it's time for a little food for thought farm bureau of michigan saw the need for a show like ours food first michigan and believed in me jerry and our entire network of feeding america food banks i'm reminded that while everything rises and falls on leadership Nothing truly changes except through relationship and I'm thankful for the family of companies of the Michigan Farm Bureau They believed in us Early and they continue to support our work to create a food secure state and that's why we are committed to keeping food first folks food first